Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my life in film in today's statistics episode. We read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Today's episode is made possible by Letterboxd and my um, the amount of time that I've spent putting films into Letterboxd and the subsequent devotion by people who work there to, you know, be good about this kind of a thing. Any, anyway, that's odd. What Letterboxd does, and I, I did this in the 2016 year in review, is they will keep you up to date with your yearly statistics. Um, actors, films, genres, logs, etc. And this just recently, in December, they implemented an all-time statistics page in the same vein, but that goes much further in, in detail and provides you with a little bit more information than the typical yearly page. And so, considering that another year has gone by, I thought that I would just go through and see where things stand after 2016. And we'll see, maybe we'll see some changes in if I do this again next year uh, with another, um, probably another thousand films under my belt by that point. So, Let's go, let's look at uh, my lifetime statistics, uh, according to Letterboxd. Now, the biggest caveat here is that rewatches... Now, the biggest caveat here is that rewatches aren't really... Most of them aren't logged, and that's because, you know, there are films that I've seen tens and tens and tens of times... But I don't know when I saw them, so I can't log them on a specific day. And so I, I don't want to guess, you know, especially films that I've seen like 20 plus, 30 plus, 40 plus times. That's just too tedious, and I, I don't really know. So where this tells me that I've spent 6,465 hours watching film, <clears throat> which boils down to 269 days... That's a good, there's a good, like, I don't know, 4,000 hours worth of movie watching that's not accounted for based on Letterboxd. But for the most part, I don't think that ultimately affects the rest of the statistics on here. And so it says, you know, I've seen 4,167 films, 4,678 different directors from 83 different countries, which seems decent. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, and you know, there's a map at the, at the bottom of the page that kind of outlines what countries I haven't seen films from, a lot of African countries, a couple of Central and South American countries, uh, Greenland, <laughs> um, 
Asia, I'm I, Asia is pretty much covered. Europe pretty much covered. You know, a couple of blind spots here and there. Africa is the is the glaring, dark, darkened country though or continent rather. For the most part, and uh, then there's this nice um, bar graph that shows how many films I've seen from each release year. So at the far left, you've got 1894, where I've seen one film. 1895, I've seen one film. And then no films until 1915. And for the most part, these the bar graphs don't really become significant until you hit like the 1990s, where you've got 30, 40, 60, 70, 80, 90. Uh, the first year with 100 films from it is 2002. And then you stay in the hundreds until you hit 2012, which I've seen 224, 299 from 2013, 258 from 2014, 185 from 2015, and 161 from last year. And then you can change the bar graph to represent average rating, and this isn't out of 100, this is out of the 5-star rating that Letterboxd uses. And for the most part, they're pretty much even. Um, some f variation between about, oh, I don't know, 2.6 and probably peaks it. And the majority of them peak around like 3.2, 3.3. A couple of outliers here and there. But especially the last 20 years or so are all kind of within the same range for the most part. Um, 2012 being a particularly high year. Out of all of them, uh, 2006 being a somewhat low year at less than 2.5 of an average rating. Um, the lowest average rating come from 1915 and from 1923, which I presume I've only seen one film from because the average rating is a 0.5. Whereas the highest average rating uh, is across two years from 1925 and 1919, which is a 3.75. So that has to be at least two films. Uh, then it'll show. Then it shows your highest rated decades. I don't know. I mean, I guess it just averages the rating you gave to every film you've seen from each decade. And in this case, my three highest rated decades from from top to bottom are the 1960s, uh, with films like Harakiri, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, High Note, uh, The Lion in the Winter. Um, Playtime, Bonnie and Clyde, Cool Hand Luke, Cat Baloo, Persona, The Odd Couple, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Great Escape, West Side Story, Mary Poppins, Charade, The Apartment, The Children's Hour, How to Steal a Million, The Graduate, and The Hustler as the 20 representative films that it lists. Next, you have the 1980s uh, that features Do the Right Thing, Paris, Texas, Shoah, The Thing, History of the World in Three Minutes Flat, Come and See, The Princess Bride, The Land Before Time, Aliens, Das Boot, Kiki's Delivery Service, They Live, Scarface, This Is Spinal Tap, Say Anything, My Favorite Year, Birdie, The Color of Money, Prick Up Your Ears, and Drugstore Cowboy. And in third is the 1970s with films such as Badlands, The Taking of Pelham 123, The Devils, Paper Moon, Chinatown, Annie Hall, Breaking Away, Rocky, The Sting, 
Hedgehog in the Fog, Jaws, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Star Wars, A New Hope, A Clockwork Orange, Alien, Taxi Driver, The Godfather, Belladonna of Sadness, The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, and Carrie. Um, which is not surprising for me. I don't think... I think the biggest problem... Uh, the biggest reason why it's these decades and not any others is because I have seen so few films prior to the 60s that every not great one hugely impacts the average rating from that decade. And I've seen so many films from the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s that there's just not enough. Like, they can't pos- there can't possibly be a high enough quality when you've seen over 200 films from a year. And so I, I think that that makes sense. You know, with the 60s, 70s, 80s hits right in that point where, you know, I've seen a good number of films, but I predominantly haven't seen the bad ones from those years yet. And, uh, yeah. Next, it shows the top 20 films from every year that I have a top 20 list from, which currently only goes back to 2007. Uh, And so, you know, so you've got this year's top 20, which I've gone through already, last year's top 20, and so forth. Um, Nothing particularly interesting, you know, again, looking for more of lifetime statistics here. Uh, Then you're allowed to tag a couple of different lists that you've made uh, with a specific tag to make them feature them on this page. And I've got three lists like that. I've got my current top 100 films, uh, which is by the numbers. So based initially on my ranking, then on the Rotten Tomato score for each film, and then by the runtime, with shortest being better, and then lastly, if necessary, the year of release, with, with earlier being better. And this displays the top 20 of those, everything from Toy Story, Harakiri, Inside Out, Boyhood, The Social Network, Bowling for Columbine, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Mulan, the Philadelphia Story, Cat Baloo, Short Term 12, The Dark Knight, The Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, A Separation, World of Tomorrow, uh, Microcosmos, a lot of good films, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, the next list is Top 100 Animated Films, which, again, has Toy Story and Inside Out and The Nightmare Before Christmas and Mulan and World of Tomorrow, but also features a good number of other films as you would expect because there are more animated films in this list than the previous one yes (laughs) Uh, so then you've got um, genres Uh, so I've seen most films in the drama category next is comedy then thriller, then action, then romance then adventure, then animation then family, then crime, then fantasy so sci-fi does not break the top 10 genres of films that I've seen. Uh, let's see what else. Adventure does. Crime does. Documentary does not break the top 10. Foreign language. I don't know if Letterboxd use, uses foreign language, though. Doesn't break the top 10. Uh, horror does not break the top 10. Mystery does not break into it either. 
Mm, I don't know if they use short films as a category, but that doesn't make it. Westerns, not, not in the top 10 either. And Fantasy at number 10 has 442 films. So that's kind of the bar to reach. None of those other genres make it. As for country, predominantly USA with 3,200 films. The UK's got 500, 250 from France, 200 from Germany, 175 from Canada, 82 from Australia, 80 from Japan, 50 from Italy, 40 from Ireland, and 40 from Spain. Those are the top 10 countries. And then as far as languages, 4,000 are in English, 373 in French, 250 in Spanish, 200 in German, 150 in Italian, 130 in Russian, 116 in Japanese, 62 in Chinese, 52 in Portuguese, and 50 in Arabic. And I believe that adding all those numbers up reaches a much higher number than 4,167, is it, that I've seen? So it's definitely considering that there are films with multiple languages in them, and so this language category does not necessarily mean the predominant language of the film. Therefore, films with three or four languages count three or four times. Next, it has, and this is one of my favorite parts of it, a list progress uh, chart. So it has six very influential, prominent lists, and those are the Letterboxd Top 250, which are the um, the official top 250 movies according to Letterboxd based on the average weighted rating of all Letterboxd users. And it does not include stand-up specials, concert films, documentaries, short films, collection listings, and other, quote, rarities. Uh, so only feature-length dramatized movies are listed. Um... <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. So I I have seen 148 of the 250 films on this list. Uh, The top 10 of this list, for reference, are The Godfather, Seven Samurai, The Godfather Part Two, Twelve Angry Men, Harakiri, Pulp Fiction, The Empire Strikes Back, High and Low, Come and See and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, with High and Low as the only film in the top 10 that I have not seen currently. Of the, yeah. And yeah, so I still have over 100 films left to see on this list, but it is not the most incomplete list on here. That goes to Sight and Sound's top 250. Uh, I've seen 92 of their top 250, and there are a lot of older and foreign films on this list, uh, so the top 10 of the, of the Sight and Sound, which is updated in as of 2012, Vertigo, Citizen Kane, Tokyo Story, The Rules of the Game, Sunrise, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Searchers, Man with a Movie Camera, The Passion of Joan of Arc, and Eight and a Half, with Tokyo Story, Rules of the Game, Sunrise, Searchers, Move Man with a Movie Camera and Eight and a Half as ones I have not seen from the top ten. <clears throat> so, mm, very empty. So I'm at 37% on this on this list, which is pretty low, I'd say. 
<clears throat> the most, um, probably the least uh, reputable list, I would say, on here is the Edgar Wright's 1000 Favorite Films list, uh, which he posted on Mubi uh, on July 27th from 2016. I don't believe they're listed in any order. And I've seen 45% of them, roughly 450 out of the 1,000 films. And uh, they are, this is an eclectic list. And it goes all the way back to 1920 with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And to sort this a little, the newest film on his top 1,000 is The Neon Demon from... 2016 and is the only 2016 film on his list <clears throat> yeah so so that that one is a long long ways away from being completed with, uh, even if i were to focus all my energy on doing so uh to go along with the letterbox top 250 list there is the imdb top 250 which i have currently seen 201 of the films and, and this is a list that is updated weekly. Uh, you know, I'm at 80% right now, slowly, slowly uh, filling in each film. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's mostly just a sense of I need to focus my energy to watching films from that list because... They're generally not films that I'm able to put into my scavenger hunts, and most films that break into the top 250 that are new end up slowly falling out of it. Um, films like Zootopia and Deadpool, which may still be on the list right now, but have they like debuted in like the top 100 and have plummeted since then, as more people have seen them. Uh, the fifth list out of there's six so there's six of these there's the fifth one is the best picture academy award winners <clears throat> which i'm at 90 percent on or 79 out of 88 which would be the easiest of these lists to finish as they are all uh early movies so the ones that i have not seen uh sorted uh, starting with the earliest are grand hotel cavalcade mutiny on the bounty the Great Ziegfeld, Ziegfeld, You Can't Take It With You, How Green Was My Valley, The Best Years of Our Lives, uh, Hamlet, the Laurence Olivier version, and Cecil B. DeMille's The Greatest Show on Earth. Every other best picture I have seen, <clears throat> uh, presumably also including the upcoming one, whatever it is, I believe I've seen all the films and <clears throat> talks to win it. So... That one would take maybe a week, probably less than a week to, to fully finish. But I I guess I'm not as much as as interested as I am to finish that list. I also feel as though, you know, I, I was able to do, to watch two of those during one of the last scavenger hunts. I feel like those will be easy films to fill in as scavenger hunt films. And so I don't want to watch them outside of the scavenger hunt, if that makes any sense. And finally, the sixth and last list, which I have a watched all of them from, 
is the Box Office Mojo Top 100. So these are the uh, worldwide best, highest grossing films of all time. Uh, sorted by worldwide gross. You've got the top five of Avatar, Titanic, The Force Awakens, Jurassic World, and The Avengers. And <clears throat> in my ever never-ending uh, attempts to have watched every film that everyone else has ever seen, uh, obviously starting with the most popular films is uh, a good place to start. And you know, you scroll through this list, and you know, you see a lot of great films on here. Uh, the Winter Soldier. Um, you know, you've got Forrest Gump. You've got uh, The Sixth Sense. Interstellar, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Obviously, this skews much toward uh, uh, newer films. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kung Fu Panda 2, Big Hero 6, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, as well as Inside Out, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter films, Shrek films, Spider-Man, Finding Nemo, Hobbit films, The Dark Knight, Star Wars, the Toy Story movies. So, you know, you've got a lot of the most popular films from recent years. You know, and any film released before 2000 showing up on here is kind of an anomaly at that at that sense. And uh, other than Titanic, as I'm scrolling through this, I'm not really seeing anything. You know, like the Lord of the Rings films are from early aughts. Uh, you know, Secret Life of Pets is number 47. Fellowship of the Ring at 2001. E.T., I guess. E.T., 1982. Uh, Independence Day, 1996. I guess I could sort this by year, couldn't I? Earliest first. So, yeah, the earliest film on this list is Star Wars A New Hope. You've got E.T., Jurassic Park, The Lion King, Forrest Gump, Independence Day, Titanic... Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and The Sixth Sense are the seven are the nine films from this on this list that are from before 2000. Everything else is from 2000 and later. With the most recent film to have entered being Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, currently at 81st. And there are ten films from 2016. So 10% of the films on this list are from 2016. Unfortunately, as one of the one of the commenters notes, uh, Matthew Buchanan says in the comments, thought I could manage 100% on this one, but four Twilight films is a lot to ask of anyone. <laughs> and that's fair. <laughs> you know, I've seen them all, and it wasn't a great experience. But I have seen them. So this is the only list of these six that is at 100%. Ideally, um, I would add Oscar Best Picture winners to that list uh, by the end of 2017, if not also the IMDb Top 250, but we'll, we'll see as that goes. Next, it shows your most watched films all time, and like I said, rewatches aren't really logged unless I've seen them since I started doing Letterboxd or I knew exactly when I'd seen them before. So there isn't a single film on Letterboxd that it knows that I've seen more than twice. With the with five films on here as 
twice-watched films. You've got The Night Before Christmas, La La Land, Paprika, Grave of the Fireflies, and Captain America Civil War. But one thing that uh, Letterboxd can tell you is stars. So actors who have appeared in the most number of films that I've seen. It shows the top 20 right here. And starting at the bottom, you've got Anna Kendrick, 32 films. At 33 films, you've got Nicolas Cage, Robert De Niro, and Susan Sarandon. With 34 films, Richard Jenkins, J.K. Simmons, John Goodman, and Bruce Willis. At 35 films, Bill Hader and Robin Williams. At 36 films, Liam Neeson, Matt Damon, Morgan Freeman. With 37 films, you've got Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller, which leaves us with the top five. Steve Buscemi, 39 films. Tom Hanks, 41 films. Owen Wilson, 42 films. Johnny Depp, number two, with 43 films and a whopping 63 films for leading man Samuel L. Jackson. And that's kind of kind of ridiculous and insane. And that number is only going to go up. Uh, it also shows your highest rated, but like I mentioned in the 2016 year in review, it's tough to do that when you've got uh, people who, like, the number one person is Jeff Pigeon, who, well, I guess he's got seven voice acting credits in various Pixar films. So it just, it's kind of tough to, it, it's tough because one, these are ratings out of five instead of out of a hundred, which makes them less accurate. And, you know, someone could only be in four films like Deneen Tyler, who is the number two ranked person. She's been in 12 Years a Slave, Dallas Buyers Club, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and Jeff Who Lives at Home, which are all highly reviewed films from me. So, you know, there's much less accountability as far as that's concerned. Moving on to directors. Top 20. You've got uh, Sam Raimi in 20th with 11. Um, tied for... 15th are Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Norman McLaren, Wilfred Jackson, and Robert Zemeckis, each with 12. Tied in 10th with 13 films are Richard Linklater, Alfred Hitchcock, Joseph Barbera, bleh, Joseph Barbera William Hanna, and Ridley Scott. Uh, tied in 8th are Ron Howard and Pez with 14 Tied in sixth are Frizz Freling and Joel Cohen, representing the Cohen brothers. In fifth, with 16 films, is Martin Scorsese. In fourth, with 17 films, is Steven Soderbergh. Third, in with 19 films, is Tim Burton. Second, with 20 films, Woody Allen. And first, with 28 films, another big jump, is Steven Spielberg. Very, very nice. The highest rated side of the directors, uh, you've got names like Nicole Holofcener, who's number one, um, Mike Verbiglia, number five, Tim Robbins, uh, Lee Unkrich, very, you know, he's a Pixar director, uh, Roman Polanski, Frank Capra, Kenneth Lonergan, who just put out Manchester by the Sea, Lenny, Lenny Abrahamson, uh, who directed Room last year. 
Milos Forman, Ilya Kazan, Ryan Johnson. Uh, so some some pretty notable names at the top. Uh, and then, like I mentioned at the bottom, you have the map with all the countries in, in green that I've seen films from, varying shades of green for quantity, and then grayed out countries that I have not seen any films from. So, yeah, that's that's my life in film uh, as it stands right now. And uh, I, I kind of felt like this would have more substance to it. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I guess, I don't know. For me, it's, it's easy for me to kind of look through all these statistics and feel a type of way or react a type of way to each thing. And simply because I've, I've lived through watching all of these things. Whereas a lot of the things that I think and react to aren't things that really translate well into audio form, I guess. Like, it makes it more difficult for me to talk about them in such a way. You know, like, as I was going through the highest rate of decades, you, you kind of notice patterns such as the fact that... Um, where was it? The Hustler and The Color of Money are both, you know, films that are in these top-rated decades that I've seen, and they're one's a sequel of the other. Uh, every top 20 from this de each decade has a short film in it, uh, with the 1960s has High Note, the 1980s has History of the World in Three Minutes Flat, and the 1970s has Hedgehog in the Fog. Uh, you know, you've got Aliens and Alien both showing up here. Um, you know, just a lot of a lot of goodness, a lot of goodness, and, I, and I'm very pleased. Uh, you know, it's I just I find it so interesting, so engrossing, and so fun, really, to to look at all these kind of things. And I guess to just kind of, since we're on the topic of my lifetime in film, uh, you can, on my spreadsheet, which kind of represents different data points, I can sort of go into and see just how many films, as we, as we near the Oscars for this year, I can look at, based on a yearly number, if so, so let's say for 2015, there were 24 Oscars awarded, and there were 121 nominations. And how many films got those nominations and wins? Besides, uh, you know, I've seen every single film that won an Oscar last year, so I've seen all 24. But I'm missing one film that was nominated for an Oscar for one nomination. So I've seen 120 of the 121 nominations. And that missing film is the uh, Secrets of Shoah short documentary uh, that I believe I can access now online, but I just simply haven't taken the time to watch it yet. And that would make 2015 the first year in which I'd seen every single nominated film uh, for with 2014 being the only other year where I've seen every single winner. Uh, but if you look, I can look at the summation of these things, 
and say that of whatever total number of Oscars that have been awarded to films, I have seen 1,100 of them. And I would say that on average, um, let's say let's say on average I'm missing eight per year. Like that's still a lot. That's so many films to watch. Uh, and as far as nominations go, you know, if there's there's generally like four times as many nominations as there are wins, or four and a half maybe. I've seen 3,744 of the nominated films. Well, that's not accurate. I Of of the total number of nominations, I've seen 3,744 of them. Um, which, you know, each film, some films, you know, that were nominated 10 times, some that were only nominated for one thing. You know, you find the happy balance, the happy medium. Yeah. Uh, but I can also say that every year since the Oscars began, I have seen at least one film that's won an award or and an, one film that's been not well one film that's been nominated and one film that's been that's won. And that might be the same film for a couple of years. But even years like 1929 or 1935 where I've only seen one Oscar winner from that year, I've at least seen one Oscar winner from that year. And for the most part, most years, I've seen at least 10 Oscar winners. Uh, particularly recently, I've seen almost 20 every year. Um, just, you know, it's it's mostly foreign films, short films, documentaries that are kind of eluding me. Uh, because I, I, I find that I have much less interest in watching them. Mostly because... They're films that don't feature a lot of actors in them that are relevant to the spreadsheet, which is an important statistic to me. But I, like I did last year in January and February, I watched a ton of short films. Uh, there's a list on Letterboxd that has every film ever nominated for any Academy Award ever. And what I did was I sorted it by runtime, shortest to longest, and just kind of YouTube searched every single video or movie as I could and watched as many of them as I could and I will probably be doing something similar uh, within the next month or two probably more so after this year's Academy Award ceremony just to make sure that I have the time to watch as many of this year's nominees as I possibly can Um, I think I was five or six films short prior to the last year's ceremony for the Oscars. Hopefully I can come a little closer this year, but that remains to be seen. The nominations are not out yet. They will be released Oscar nominations on, well, the, uh, the, the award show will be held on February 26th. Uh, I see like, why can't it just be like, the first result. Nation's announcement. Ugh. Tuesday, January 24th at 5.30 a.m. Pacific. So pretty much right when I get home from work that morning, I will be able to sit down and watch 
the nominations. And that will be incredibly relevant uh, to the spreadsheet because all of a sudden, all these films that have no nominations will immediately have five, ten nominations. And it will, in, it will change uh, the actor, writer, and director pages by adding a point to each person who was nominated in each category. Uh, and that's hugely significant. You know, I, I've been able to watch some, some more Meryl Streep nominated performances. I'm up to 11 of her 19 right now. And she's got a value of 100, or she's got a score rather, of 109.79, which is good enough for to put her in 45th place. But, you know, if she had one more point, she would move up to 42nd place. You know, which doesn't seem like a big change, but it it is. <laughs> Suffice to say, it it is a big change because, you know, when you get up to the top hundred, top fifty, the, you know, while there are some people like Gene Hackman and Andy Serkis who are separated by less than a hundredth of a point, there are also people like uh, Matt Damon and Kate Blanchett who are separated by over four points. And they're ranked fourth and or fifth and fourth respectively. Uh, so one point may not do much for. Um, let's see who's, who's kind of. So if we got Denzel, so Denzel Washington is currently ranked 85th. If he is nominated, he will instantly jump up to 75th. So he will make a 10-point jump. Um, and. Viola Davis, who is currently ranked 751st, her nomination would actually move her up quite substantially to 695th, or 97th, rather. So she would move up a huge number, like 100 points, or 100 spots, just for being nominated. And then if she won, she would move up another, up to like 630th. You know, another significant, another like 60 spots. Uh, so, so it is very important, and that is all kind of predominant. That is all determined by whether or not I watch more of her films between now and then. But suffice to say, it seems. I mean, it does seem very, very likely that she wins, and almost 100% guaranteed that she's nominated. So. Yeah, that is my year in lifetime statistics. And I think next year, when I do this again, I will probably just tack this segment on to the end of the year in review because I think that it will just be kind of noting the differences. Like, are there any different decades at the top? has any significant actor kind of broken into the top 20 as far as quantity or same thing for director, things like that, you know, and I'll probably listen back to this episode at that time just to get a better feel for what I should be looking out for. But as for now, I thank you for listening and hope that everything that you listen to from this podcast and from all podcasts really is meaningful and 
gives you something to think about in terms of either your own life in film or what you expect to watch in the upcoming years, whether or not you want to steer more towards uh, a particular list of films or if you want to kind of just keep up with the current trends of films and how thin you want to stretch yourself as far as multiple lists are concerned. But that being said, if you would like to find out more about the spreadsheet or myself, you can go to circleoffilm.com, which has all the relevant contact information, which can also be found in in the episode's show notes. Or you can email me at circleoffilm.com. And I will also post a link to my year in letterboxd page in the show notes. If that's possible, should be possible. So yeah, I will I will do that. And thank you again for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell. I'll be the same Come on, baby, we paint the town. And all the jazz. So long, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.